Well, Sci Life, it is so glad. I'm so glad that you're here. Again, if you're a guest, I'm Bob Reed. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're tuning in online, incredibly grateful you've tuned in. Uh, this morning is going to be a little different. I went to Pastor Rod, uh, who oversees our missions and recovery ministry, and had asked him, uh, would he be open uh, to having uh, him share from the as far as message wise and then help you as a church body get to see a little bit of what happens on a Tuesday night of our, our cell life recovery. Here's why this is so important. The church I came from, we probably had over 500 people every single week that were coming to our church for recovery. And it was all different kinds of, uh, if it, if, you know, whether it was AA, NA, SA, if it had an A, we had it, right? And, but the problem that I struggled with was it wasn't Christ-centered. It was whoever you wanna choose your God to be, your higher power. And I really wanted uh, it, for us to have something that was going to be Christ-centric. And so that's why we started this uh, ministry uh, a couple years ago, and it has just taken off. And so this morning, uh, you're going to have a number of people that are going to share with you uh, how God has changed their heart and changed their lives through the power of his word and recovery. And here's what I'm going to ask of you. It's going to be different, right? And, and what I want to ask for you is, one, I hope that you'll begin to ask the Lord, is this something that you need to start participating in because every single one of us needs healing? The other thing I want to encourage you to do is that people are getting up here that, that uh, are sharing vulnerably and sharing honestly with you, and my, my expectation is that you're going to support them, that you're going to celebrate with them, and that you're going to coach, they're going to come alongside of them. Yeah, just like that. And, uh, and so we're super excited, Jay, just so proud of you. I've heard uh, you share at CR on a Tuesday night, just super grateful for your life and uh, you and your wife and your family and what you guys are doing here. So I'll let you take it from here. Thanks, brother. Hello, and welcome to Saw Life Recovery Sunday Edition. <laughs> so I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I've struggled from the hurts of rejection uh, I have, which led to the hang-up of me having low self-esteem, which manifested in me being a people-pleaser and wearing a mask most of my life. Well, I couldn't be myself. My name is Jay. Hi, Jay. So, Life Recovery is a recovering ministry, strongly or tightly linked to our missions. And with this, our service to you, to our church body, to our community, is to intentionally extend God's glory outside of these four walls. Uh, we do this firstly with uh, worship. Worship is very important for us. Uh, worship uh, is, is a big part of side life uh, recovery. And the good thing about worship is that it allows us to draw closer to God and it allows us to be in a place of receiving from God. One of the things I've noticed is that where missions exist, worship is normally absent. We've also learned that people who live less purposeful lives have an absence of worship in their own life, which is why we strongly encourage everyone to uh, participate in the worship uh, experience like we just did uh, with our worship team and make that a very important part of your journey. Uh, in Psalms 50 and 14, God says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. God is drawn to hearts to give sacrificial thanksgiving. So in return for this, God normally gives us an immeasurable uh, feeling of joy. So it's my desire that your hearts are moved sacrificially in Thanksgiving today. For those of you who are new to the CR experience, again, welcome to Side Life Recovery. We meet here weekly every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Uh, everyone is welcome to come. Keep in mind, this coming week is a holiday week, so we will not be meeting this week because of Thanksgiving. But after this, every Tuesday night, 6 p.m., right here. Join me in a moment of prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning for those who are attending online and those who are here in person. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we, God, God, I thank you for revealing your truth this morning through the vulnerability and the transparency of those who will be sharing their their testimonies this morning. Dear God, we thank you for revealing your truth through removing all of those stumbling blocks, uh, the lies that we were told, the things that we believe, the mistakes that we've made, the secrets we have that no one else knows about, caring uh, so much what other people think and just not living our true selves. 
and we're made in your image, and we're your masterpiece, God. So we thank you for the deliverance that comes through this CR experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. Amen. So with that in mind, I want to thank everybody for coming out today. One of the things that I want to make sure you do understand is that it wasn't a mistake that you're here this morning, those who are here. This is a God-orchestrated moment, so things are going to be a little bit different than usual. I'm a firm believer in that everyone will need an undeniable experience of God as you take your journey to become the best you that God has created you to be. Now, with that said, uh, we are going to cover our eight foundational biblical principles of Mary. Thank you. Good morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has overcome the hurts of childhood rejection and abandonment and the hurt of divorce. These led to the hang-up of pride that manifested itself in the putting up of walls rather than healthy boundaries. My name is Mary. Mary. If you'll please read aloud with me the eight principles. They'll be up on the screen. You also have them in the back of your notes. And I will read the coinciding scripture myself. Eight principles based on the Beatitudes. Principle number one, realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Step one, happy are those who know that they are spiritually poor. Matthew 5, 3. Number two, Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Step two, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Number three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Step three, happy are the meek. Matthew 5. Number four, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Steps four and five. Happy are the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8. Number five, voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Steps six and seven. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires, Matthew 5, 6. Number six, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Steps eight and nine. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Number seven, reserve a time with God for self-examinations, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Steps 10 and 11. Number eight, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and my words. Step 12. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Matthew 5:10. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good, good. Hey, high five someone to your left and to your right. Say, hey, I'm glad you're here. All right. <laughs> Awesome. My name is Rod. <laughs> hey, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I've struggled with the shame of sec uh, child sexual uh, trauma, uh, being born out of wedlock, uh, living my formative lit years uh, with an absentee father. Uh, I've also struggled from the hurt of divorce. I've developed a hang-up of feeling unqualified and unloved, and sometimes less than. And I've created, or I've had a habit of extreme self-criticism 
and self-hatred. And my name is Rod again, and I'm the pastor of Salaf Missions and Recovery here at Salaf Church. Thank you. So in CR, as you read, principle one says that we realize that we're not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. It's backed by Matthew 5.3, happy are those who know that they are spiritually poor. When principle one is recognized in our daily living, we have the, we've accomplished basically the first step. Step one says, we admitted, we admitted, past tense, that we are powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives had become unmanageable. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, Romans 7, 18. So this morning's journey begins with principle one. This is the big step for most people. It's where we really admit that we are truly powerless to control our tendency to do things wrong and that our lives have, in fact, become unmanageable, out of control. I say that because I don't think any of us in here rose the sun up this morning, did we, or set it down last night, right? No one controls daylight or, or night and a whole lot of other things. But when we take this first big step, giving up control, we're stepping away from denial and our acknowledge, uh, or should I say, acknowledging our own need. There, this is where we find hope, and hope is the first step because we can't be helped until we admit that we actually need help. Until then, we are trying to be God in our own lives, and the Creator didn't design us to do that. We're not His equal. See, we're truly powerless over much of anything in our own efforts. So in step one, when we face and admit our denial, we gain freedom from our own selves. Together, this journey can be really exciting. So. Let's start with a few heart check questions that I'd like to ask you. And number one would be, am I going to let my past failures prevent me from taking this journey? Number two, am I afraid to change? And number three, what are my fears of the future? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It reads, so then, with endurance, let us also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's throw off any baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up. There are two things that I want to point out for you in this verse. First, God has a particular race for you. He has a unique plan for us, for each and every one of us, a plan for good not a life of dependencies or addictions or obsessions. The second thing is that we need to be willing to get rid of all the unnecessary baggage, you know, the past failures, the past hurts, all those things in our lives that really generally they keep us stuck. Again, it says, let us throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up. For many of us, our past hurts, our hang-ups, and our habits, uh, yeah, they hold us back and they trip us up. So have you considered taking an honest inventory of your own thoughts just for a minute? This is where we may discover that we may be stuck in bitterness, bitterness over something that someone has done to us. For me... I learned that uh, I had continued to hold on to some grudges of, in my past, some hurts from my past, and I refused to forgive those that had hurt me. And over time, I developed these coping mechanisms that helped me to hide the pain and the shame of my past. You may have been hurt deeply, and perhaps you were abused as a child, or maybe you were deeply hurt in a marriage. 
I want you to know that I'm sorry that happened to you, and I hurt for you as well. But holding on to that hurt, that hurt, you need to release it and let it go. By keeping it alive, you're allowing those people or those situations or that past to continue to hurt you today in the present. So being relationally discipled through this Christ-centered recovery method will, with God's power, allow you to find the courage and the strength to forgive those who have hurt you to forgive yourself for some things in your own past. See, our ministry team exists to join you on this journey to recovery. We trust that God will help you. You'll find the willingness to forgive your perpetrators and be free of the hole that's been on your life. So some of us are bound by guilt. We keep beating ourselves up over past failure. We become trapped, stuck in our own guilt. We think that no one anywhere is as bad as we are. That no one could love the real you. That no one could forgive the terrible things that you've done on your own. Well, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. See, God can. And that's why Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sins. You agree? He knows that everything that you've ever done, everything that you've ever experienced, uh, and there are many are here today that have faced the exact same similar failures and hurts in their lives, and they've accepted Christ's forgiveness. They are here to encourage and to support you today. So the Apostle Paul, I'm sure, had very deep regret. Remember, he participated in Stephen's murder. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget the things behind me, and I reach out for the things that are ahead of me. Here's the bottom line. that If you want to be free from your past hurts and your hang-ups and your failures, we need to deal with our past bitterness. We need to deal with our past guilt once and for all. We need to do, as Isaiah says in 43.18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That doesn't mean that you ignore the past. No, it means that we need to learn from our past. We need to offer forgiveness. We need to make amends. And then we need to let it go, release it. Only then can you be truly free of your guilt your grudges, and your grief. So let's face it. We've all stumbled over some hurt, hang-up, or habit, right? But the race isn't over yet. God isn't interested in how we start it. God is interested in how we finish. You may worry about your future, or you may be afraid to change. We all worry about some things, and we do not have control uh, over, over those We don't have the power to change. And we all know that worrying is a lack of trust in God. The truth is, is that we can say, we can say anything, or we can say without any doubt or fear, rather, the Lord is for me. I won't be afraid. What can anyone do for me or do to me? Psalms 118.6. You may have been hurt, you may have had a hang-up or a habit that's been with you for so long that it's become part of your own identity. You may be thinking, what will happen if I really give recovery a chance? Will I change? If I give up my old hurts and my old hang-ups and habits, what will I become? Who will I be? You may have been abusing a substance like alcohol or prescription drugs or food. You may have been stuck in stinking thinking for far too long. You're afraid of what will do, of what you'll do without your substance or your habit of choice. 
Well, you may have been enabling someone in a dysfunctional relationship for many years. Perhaps you wonder, what if I change and my spouse gets mad at me? See, God doesn't want you to stay frozen in an unhealthy relationship or a bad habit. He wants you to do your part. Do your part in becoming healthy. And that's what we're about, is becoming healthy. See, even if our past was extremely painful, we still resist the change and the freedom that can be found in recovery. Because of our fear of the unknown or because of our despair, we just close our minds and think yep, that we just don't deserve anything better. That's not true. As you consider your recovery journey, remember 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound judgment. As Jay said earlier, you're not here by mistake. No, in this room there are changed lives. And it is my prayer for each of you that you will not let your past failures or your fear for your future to stop you from experiencing or trying Saw Life Recovery. Are you wearing a mask of denial today? Ask yourself that. See, before you can make any progress in your recovery, you need to face your denial. As soon as you remove your mask, your recovery begins. Or it begins again. It doesn't matter if you are new in recovery or have been in a uh, recovery for a number of years. Denial it can rear its ugly head just about any time. You may trade addictions, or you may get into a different relationship that gives you a different type of hurt. So this message is, in fact, for all of us. Denial isn't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> no. Let's think about it. Think about your early childhood years as an example. All kids learn coping skills, right? They are greatly used when we didn't get the attention that we wanted or to block the pain or of our fears of something that's in the present. Coping systems only work temporarily, though. See, they cause clouded and confused perceptions. These perceptions then grow with us, and guess what? As we mature these coping skills mature with us. These coping skills grow into denial and negatively affects most of our relationships, breaking them or making them less fulfilling. Denial will lead to shame. Denial will lead to guilt. Denial becomes the pink elephant in the room that no one in the family is supposed to talk about. Oh, that doesn't apply to anyone here, right? <laughs> of course not. See, in CR, many of our lessons are modeled in this format that we call an acrostic. And tonight, today, this morning, we're going to communicate on the acrostic of denial. D stands for disables our feelings. Hiding our feelings, living in denial, freezes our emotions and it binds us up. See, understanding that and feeling our emotions is where we actually find freedom. 2 Peter 2.19 says, They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of destructive habits. For we are slaves of anything that has conquered us. Listen, the basic test for freedom is not what I am free to do. It's what I am free not to do. So you say to yourself, I'm free not to, you fill in the blanks. I'm free not to, dot, dot, dot. We find freedom to feel our true feelings when we find Christ and we step out of this area of denial. The next letter in denial is E, for energy lost. A major side effect of denial is anxiety. Anxiety causes us to waste this precious energy that we have, dealing with past hurts and hang-ups and failures, and the fear of our future. In joining a step-study group, as an example, you'll learn that this 
is only in the present that positive change can actually occur. Worrying about the past and dreading the future make us unable to live and enjoy God's plan, his plans for us in our present. We can't keep the hurt and the past on life support. We let our fears and our worries paralyze us, us, but only lasting, uh, the only lasting way that we can be free uh, from those things is to truly give them to God. Put them at the feet of Jesus, place them at the cross. Psalms 55, 22 says, cast your burden to the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Church, if you want to transfer this energy that's required to maintain your denial, if you want to transfer that energy into not just learning God's truth, but actually living God's truth, a healthy love for others and yourself, in fact, will occur. As you deepen more and more or depend more and more on our higher power, Jesus Christ, you will see the light of truth and reality. Denial negates our growth. We are as sick as our own secrets. Agreed? We cannot grow into recovery until we are ready to step out of denial and into truth. God is waiting to take your hand and to bring you out. See, the Bible says, they cried to the Lord in their troubles and he rescued them. He led them from the darkness and shadow of a death and snapped their chains. As you travel the road of recovery, you will come to understand that God never wastes a hurt. God will never waste your darkness. But he can't unless you step out of denial and into the light of his truth. Denial also isolates us from God. See, Adam and Eve are a great example of how secrets and denial can separate us from our true fellowship with God. After they sinned, what did they do? They hid. Genesis 3, 7 tells us that Adam and Eve hid from God because they felt naked and ashamed. Remember, God's light shines on the truth. Our denial keeps us in the dark. 1 John 5, 1 through 7 says, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. If we walk in light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Our only denial or our denial not only isolates us from God, it alienates us in our relationships. Denial tells us we are getting away, getting away with it. We think that no one knows, but they do. They do. But while denial may shield us from the hurt, it also keeps us from helping ourselves or other people, you know, people that we love the most. We don't dare reveal our true selves to others or fears of what they will think of us or say if they knew the real us. We must protect ourselves, our secrets, at any cost. So we isolate. We isolate ourselves and thereby thereby minimize the risk of exposure and possible rejection from other people. But at what price? The eventual loss of all of our important relationships, that's the price. It's not worth it. What's the answer? Ephesians 4.25 gives us a good explanation. Therefore, putting away, lying, speaking the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Remember, it is always better to tell an ugly truth rather than a beautiful lie. Denial lengthens our pain. We have the false belief that denial protects us from our pain. In reality, denial allows our pain to fester. It'll grow, and it'll turn to shame and then guilt. Denial extends your hurt. 
and it multiplies your problems. Truth, like surgery, hurt, it may hurt, and it may hurt for a while, but it will heal. See, God reminds us in Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So as I wrap up, I want to encourage you to step out of this area of denial, whatever it might be for you. Walking out of denial is not easy. Taking off the mask is a process, and it can be hard. Everything about you shouts, don't do it. Stay away from that. It's not safe out there. But I'm here to tell you it's safe, and it's beautiful, and it's comfortable. We make it that way here at Silive Church. And then we intentionally make sure it's done in CR. You have people who care about you here, who love you, people who want to stand beside you as you walk through your next steps. Truth becomes a way of life. So Jesus tells us to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I encourage you to step out of your denial, however it looks. In this life experience, you can step into Jesus' unconditional love, his grace, and begin healing in a journey towards recovery. Once you do that, you can get back on mission, the mission that he designed you to live out. And then you can live a life that's enjoying God's grace and extending his glory to others. Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate you listening to me. We have two brief testimonies that we'd like to share with you. And as they come on up. Good morning. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has struggled with the hurt of divorce that led to the hang-up of self-criticism and manifested itself through the habit of negative thinking and hurting others, and my name is Nikki. Good morning. February of 2021, I came to DS1 as I was a small apprentice. At the time, though, I was really struggling and had no desire to be around anyone, especially church people. I knew coming to DS1 meant I would have to participate in a small group setting, and at the time, I felt so alone, I told myself I was not going to talk. Prior to reading the story that night, my small group leader asked us to pick a character we could relate to while reading the story. We read Luke 15, 11 through 32, and as it was read, I just started crying as it hit me. I was the prodigal son and had been lost and was finally home. See, I had been coming to this campus since 2015. I considered myself a Christian. I loved God and wanted to serve him, but my past, my past kept playing over and over in my mind that I was not good enough. So I started my journey by becoming an apprentice for a women's small group. I would attend Bible studies, be at church on Sunday, and be so grateful to be in his presence, but the negative tapes would still play. You're not good enough. You are being punished for your sins. You were on your third marriage. If anyone knew your story, Nikki, they would shame, judge, and reject you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit, Psalm 34, 18. Here's my story. On the outside, I would smile, tell people I am good, life is good, you know, all the surface level stuff. But inside, I was depressed, anxious, fearful, scared, hopeless, believing God was punishing me. I walked into this building every Sunday with a lifetime of hurts, and habits and negative thoughts. From 1988 to 2003, I was conditioned to believe that I would never be loved, successful, accomplished, educated, or survive on my own. By 2004, I was divorced for the second time, living on my own for the first time, and a single mom of two young girls. Over the next year as a single mom, I was struggling financially and got a part-time job at Kohl's to supplement my my full-time job in oil and gas. I was told I would never move up in the corporate world as I did not have a college education, so I enrolled to take college courses online as it would fit into my busy schedule. 2009 was the hardest road of my life. January 3rd, my grandma passed away as the result of a massive stroke. I had been in a relationship with a married man for a while. In March, I filed bankruptcy as my debt was too much to bear. 
The feelings of regret, guilt, disappointment, being a failure played over and over in my mind. Mentally and physically, I was exhausted from working two jobs, going to school, and trying to be a good mom through it all. May 25th, 2009, Memorial Day, my youngest and I were headed home from my parents, and we were hit head-on by a speeding motorcycle on FM 1486. Upon arrival to the hospital, I was informed the man had died from his injuries. See, he was not wearing a helmet, and as I would find out later, he was drunk. Most of the afternoon was a blur. However, I remember telling my mom that God was punishing me for all my wrong decisions, and this wreck was my fault. Over the next few years, my relationship with the married man continued. I was going to church, knew I was living in sin, and I didn't care that I was hurting myself or anyone else. I was hurt, broken, and I truly believe God was punishing me, which left me hopeless and not wanting to change. In 2013, life took another turn. I closed the long, hurtful chapter and began a new one. This time was going to be different. Deep in my soul, I wanted to free myself and surrender to God, but knew that meant I had to be truly honest with myself and admit my sinful ways in full transparency. That terrified me. I also believed that if I allowed anyone to know my deepest and darkest secrets, they would judge, hate, ridicule, disown, or shame me. Instead, I chose to remain in control of my story and stay silent in my pain and hurt. God placed a man in my life in March of 2013 who is now my husband. I had a lifetime of hurts, habits, and hang-ups that had taken root in my heart, my mind, and my soul. I struggled with trust, believed I was unworthy, and wondered, am I enough? Did I make a mistake uprooting my whole life? Is he going to hurt me like the others? When those feelings would come up, I would shut them down. This continued until CR came into my life. Pastor Rod was the observer in my DS1 that fateful February night. During that small group experience, I was vulnerable to a room full of strangers. Afterwards, Pastor Rod came to me and thanked me for my honesty and shared part of the story with me. I realized at that moment I was not alone. He invited me to CR the next Tuesday, and I have not looked back. For the first time in my life, I felt I was not alone in my brokenness. I was in a room full of people who came to publicly talk through their brokenness with full transparency, rawness, and vulnerability. It was a judgment-free place, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to let all this craziness go. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, but he was lost and is found, Luke 15, 32. CR has taught me how to be open, honest, transparent, and vulnerable in a safe place. Through step study, my discipleship relationships, and working the 12 steps, I have learned how to forgive myself, those that hurt me, and see myself how God sees me. I have received forgiveness from people I have hurt as well. I have and continue to learn how to surrender to Christ, admit I am powerless, rely on his strength, find hope in the darkness, and the best part for me, I know I'm not alone in this community. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable and share with you a small piece of my testimony I'll have of how CR has taught me how to heal myself. Thank you. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with self-control, the hanging up of shame and guilt, and the habit of pride and anxiousness. Hi, my name is Alex. When I first came to Sci Life Recovery, I didn't know what to expect. At the time, I'd never been to a recovery ministry. However, I was open-minded for anything. I felt emotionally broken, confused, and in need of help. I was in severe heartache over my distressed marriage and emotionally maxed out with how God fit into the process. My lack of connection in all these areas rendered me heartsick, depressed, and anxious. I was ready to do my part. However, I was lost on the next step. I will never forget the first few moments of CR. I remember thinking, Lord, what am I doing in a 12-step recovery ministry? However, I knew deep down I needed to check my pride at the door and seek the Lord like never before. Some of those nights I cried in sorrow for God to send me hope, and other nights I praised God as my heart burst to new levels of joy and peace. My need for a wholehearted healing surpassed my ego and my shame to hide my hurts, habits, and hangups, all my sins and all my mistakes. 
My emotional pain was too loud to stuff down, press aside, or ignore any longer. I knew I had to go directly through this storm of pain in my life, and I couldn't do it on my own. As a cry to God for help, I opened up and exposed God's light into the darkness, the darkest moments of my life during the men's open share group. Jesus began to apply his healing balm to my soul, surrounding me with men in my life that knew how to love the brokenhearted. I was encouraged to join a step study group where I learned 12 steps to recovery and eight recovery principles based on the Beatitudes. I understood how vital godly counsel and support is, so I quickly submitted to a disciple maker and built an accountability team around me. I was led to take a total and complete moral inventory of my entire life and depend on God to empower me to bring the bad and good times to my remembrance. As the Holy Spirit filled my thoughts, denial began to fall like scales from my eyes. I could clearly see my character defects like selfishness and self-centeredness, defensiveness by debating or trying to prove myself against every offense, being overcritical of others, perfectionism, resentment, being controlling, and lack of empathy and validation for others. I discovered how much I underestimated my need to flee from every hint of sexual immorality by making healthier choices on which drama shows, movies, and media I would relax with at the end of a stressful day. I confessed my sins and made a new covenant with my eyes. With godly counsel and guidance, I reopened old, unhealed wounds all the way back to being first introduced to pornography at 12 years old. Through biblical accountability, I received freedom from my hangups by admitting to God, myself, and to someone I trust of my exact natures and wrongs. God showed me a part of his plan to recovery through James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for others so that you may be healed. I also learned how to stay in devotion with God daily. I stopped wondering where, when, or how I would find time to read pray, abide, and apply God's word to my life, so I literally made it the best part of my day. Um, God showed, also showed me how to surrender my trust of my finances to him. I began to give more than ever before with a grateful heart. I stopped seeking my self-esteem or identity in my success at work or my ability to make money. I realized how destructive codependent people-pleasing is and I replaced it with healthier biblical boundaries. I learned how to identify negative condemnation in my life, coming from my own self, evil principalities, or others, and replaced it with scripture like Romans 8.1. There is now no condemnation for, the who, for those who are in Jesus Christ. I learned how to stop looking for acceptance in what others thought of me by keeping a polished Christian life, and began to get comfortable with exposing faults and transgressions in my life with others. My, as my anxiousness began to dissolve, my godly discernment grew. I learned how to fight my real enemy by taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. My biggest understanding over the past two and a half years at Life Recovery wasn't that I couldn't heal my soul wounds and restore my peace, but I literally never had what it took from the beginning. Not even close. I was more helpless than I could have ever imagined. No amount of self-discipline or willpower could have saved me. I had to admit that I am powerless to control my tendencies to do the wrong things, and my life was unmanageable. Today, as I continue to walk through my process of sanctification, I remind myself to give everything to Christ's care and control daily. And when I begin to drift, I pray for Christ to course correct me in my path. As God empowers me to overcome my hurts, habits, and hangups, he's putting me back on mission to bring the same good news to others. Thank you for the honor of allowing me to share a part of my love story to God May my story of recovery bring God glory. God bless.
So here comes our favorite part of CR, and this is where we get a chance to pray for one another. So our leaders will be making themselves around the room, and I'm going to ask that you all participate with us. Uh, when we do that, that means then that what we are going to do is exercise James 5.16 with one another. We're going to go ahead and confess to one another what's, what's, what's going on in our lives. Why? So then that we can experience healing. Does anyone want healing and freedom tonight, this morning? Yeah? All right. Well, then, so, so, so let's not waste much time. I like, first and foremost, everyone please stand, okay? Uh, the one who's to your right and to your left, uh, you know, I'd love for you to shake your, hold their hand. I'd like for you to ask them, what is it that you can pray for them on? And for them to also tell you the same. And then for those who want to come and meet us up front and so we can pray with you, we invite you to do so right now. I'm going to start and lead us off in a word of prayer. And then I'm going to open the forum for us for a few seconds for us to pray in the whole room. Let's make a joyful noise to the, to, to the Lord and pray together. So, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us this morning. Lord, the opportunity that we may wake up and see your glory at work. Father, that we might be able to express with one another those things that are on our hearts, those things that have bothered us along life's journey those things that we may have carried along with us and just didn't know how to release. So, Lord, now, opposed to us just knowing your word, Father, we're going to do your word. We're going to live it out, Lord Jesus, in front of one another that we might experience the healing that you've promised in your word. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and all that you're prepared to do for us. As we yield to your spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we thank you. Amen. Now, the doors of the church are open for prayer.
childhood dysfunction, physical and sexual abuse, divorce, and that led to the hang-up of codependent behavior and manifested itself through habits of finding love and worth through performance and people-pleasing. Currently, I struggle with residual feelings of rejection, and my name is Crystal Barron. Hi, everybody. Now I'm going to lead us in the serenity prayer. It should be on the screen. Y'all would read along with me. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this simple world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting in you all things right if I surrender to you so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Thank you so, so very much for this wonderful opportunity to share CR with you this morning. May God bless you as you go your way and may he be with you all throughout this week. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Amen.